Sharp Tongue Podcast. Beep, 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 beep. You're listening to the Sharp Tongue Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse May Jessie. Peluso. It's a personal look. Well, it's not really a look because it's a podcast. I'm already fucking this up. This is kind of like a verbal comedy diary, a deep look into the crevices of my mind. It's going to get dirty. You might cry. You probably laugh. Hopefully you'll laugh. The whole point is for you to laugh, but you also might cry. I talk about my family. I talk about farts. farts. I talk about love, loss, comedy, how hard it is to make it in this biz. I'm a fucking professional. Each week it's something different. Sometimes I have a guest host. Sometimes it's going to be a movie companion episode. Sometimes I just ramble about the bullshit I dealt with the week before. You never know what you're going to get. It's raw, uncut, and funny. It's me. (laughs) Oh yeah. I know you guys missed me. I can feel it. Can you feel it? Yeah. It's Sharp Tongue Tuesday, your girl Jessie Mae, up in your ear, in one of your senses. You might be able to smell me one day, you might be able to see me, hey. Maybe if you're lucky, you might get to taste me, no way. You're just going to have to listen to me today. <laughs> Carlin, every time I podcast, this dog comes close to the fucking equipment with his goddamn toys. Every time I'm, I'm, I'm doing work, he's like, oh, she's doing something important now. Let me put a toy in her fucking face. Carlin, go. It's mommy's time. I'll play with you in a little while. He, it, it, dogs are forever children. Forever children. I don't know if there's any dog owners out there. F- they don't grow up. It's literally like having a toddler your whole life whose shit you have to pick up until they die. And, you know, sometimes it's a hot lunch. <laughs> you ever have a dog who just has a fucking hot lunch? Oh, my God. And he just... It, the one thing I don't understand is how he can... This dog... It, it drools for steak, drools for anything I'm cooking, wants that, all the food that I'm cooking in the kitchen. Yeah, what do you got? He's like, oh, that looks delicious. Oh, that looks sure like something I want to put in my mouth. And then I'll walk him, and he'll proceed to just hound a pile of dog shit. Someone else's dog shit, just a different dog. He'll eat the shit with the same tenacity and love and enjoyment as he does the steak. And I don't understand. And now I don't, nothing is real. How can you love shit and steak? I don't trust your senses. I, I, I don't trust your taste buds one goddamn minute. I have to be honest. You know, and now it's like, why am I spending money on this dog food? If all I got to do is go out and get some Doberman shit. And I'm going to look like a crazy person. I'm going to look like the crazy one out there digging in the streets for dog shit. Here comes old Jessie May. Here she comes with the pink hair. By the way, my hair is pink. Here she comes with the pink hair digging through the dog shit again. Boy, if I ever saw someone who's going to die alone. Yeah, I um, decided to change it up a bit. You know, I've been blonde my whole life. And the fun thing about when people die is you start giving a little bit less of a shit. I mean, I already gave less of a shit before, but now since my father has passed, I'm exploring new levels and areas of giving less shits, and it feels fucking great. I'm eating everything. I've put on five pounds, which if you guys know me, I'm a skinny bitch. I could use a couple pounds. It's very difficult for me to put on weight. That's how much food I'm eating. I'm still eating healthy. You, you guys know I like my healthy food. I'm still eating healthy, but I did have a donut for breakfast the other day and a red velvet cupcake, and I also had pancakes. So, um, obviously, my idea of healthy is a little bit askewed. (laughs) 
but fuck it. Hey, you know, when in doubt, when, when in Rome, when everybody's dead, eat what you want. Um, so I decided to deviate a little from the stages of grief um, episodes that I've been getting into the past couple weeks talking about the passing of my father and move more towards something fun. I found an episode, the first interview I did with Mike Tully, if you guys know Mike Tully of Sirius XM, I've been on his podcast three times now, and I realized I never shared the first episode with you guys. I only shared uh, one of my return, I think the second episode that I had done with him, so I decided to dig that up for you guys this week, so we're not going to be talking about the stages of grief. So when you hear me talking with him, my father was still alive. Hey, let's just go down memory lane together. (laughs) At a time where I still had a dad. (laughs) Maybe we still are in the stages of grief and I'm just in the, um, what is it? Disbelief. Is that bargaining? Is that one of them? I see. I I still need to fucking, I got to Google it. The Kubler Ross model of grief. I forgot what the fuck it was. Stages of grief. Yeah. Look, it's already saved. My Google's like, are you okay? Um, Let's see. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. So I guess I'm back in denial now that I'm listening to episodes where my dad was still alive. (laughs) No, but it's a fun episode. I thought you guys would enjoy it. Uh, I should tell you where I'm going to be. December 6th, I'm going to be at the Helium Comedy Club in Buffalo, New York. Bring me chicken wangs, bitch. That's one night only, one show only with my brother from another mother, Marty Caproni of Western Mass Celebrity and Fame. Uh, December 14th, I will be at Yonkers Comedy Club, Yonkers, New York, right up north from the good old Manhattan, New York City. Um, That's going to be one night, two shows, 7.30 and 9.30, I believe. Uh, December uh, 15th, Peru, Indiana, that show has sold out. We are looking to add more seats. I gave away a couple to a couple super fans, but as of right now, it looks like that show is stocked up. And then for Christmas, I decided I am going to go on a USO tour to enter train. <laughs> is there another podcast where somebody misuses and misspeaks as much as I do? It misuses words and, and just butchers the American English language. I'm going to entertain the troops. Yes, for Christmas, I decided this was a good year for me to switch it up a bit. You know, um, now that my life has been flipped upside down by the loss of my father, I figure what what could I do to give back? I literally was like, what the hell can I do? I want to do something. And, you know, my mother and I were talking about charity. And uh, thanks to everybody who came out to the shows in Syracuse, New York, at the Funny Bone, we're able to give some money to the Alzheimer's Association this Christmas. But also... You know, in a time where I was like, I want to do more. And I've been thinking I want to do more this whole year, you know, dealing with my father's illness. um, I've wanted to give back. And let me tell you, put it out in the universe and it comes back. The USO uh, hit me up and they asked me to come over and entertain the troops, which is such an honor. I can't say where I'm going to be because uh, probably um, a missile will strike my apartment and I will die, but I'm going to be in five different countries. I'll be entertaining probably somewhere around 5,000 to 10,000 troops with a few other celebrities. I'm the only comedian this tour, but I'm really, 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 really excited about it. I was scared at first. Kind of like I kind of treated it like I went through the stages of grief with uh, with this gig. <laughs> anger, you know, denial, anger, depression. 
<laughs> acceptance, disbelief. I just went through all that. I wasn't sure, you know, and the closer I get to it, the more excited I am. I, I, I look forward to talking to the men and women in in uniform who defend our country, who fight for our freedoms literally and lose, you know, every day they lose they, their their relationship with loss is on another level. It's on a level that none of us can really understand unless you're over there boots to the ground in combat and defending our country. So I figured I would have a little bit of a connection with them experiencing the greatest loss of my life. And so I thought it was pretty, um, you know, it, just the synchronicity is, is insane sometimes. I'm sure you guys experience that in your life when you put something out there and it happens and you, the timing is, is just impeccable. So I, I can't wait. I will be able to take photos and videos and, and be able to share on social media. So you guys look forward to that. That's going to be December 20th through the 27th. And then I'm going to take New Year's off and take a little time for myself and my boo and hang out and just be me and maybe, you know, just put on another five pounds. Hopefully it goes to my tits. Wouldn't it be great if you could just GPS where the fat goes? As a skinny bitch, I know it's like, oh, shut the fuck up. But like, seriously, my luck, it'll just be under my chin It'll just rest right under my chin or my one of my knuckles. I'll gain five pounds in my pinky. <laughs> there goes this old Jessie Mae with the fat pinky and the pink hair picking up dog shit. Boy, is she going to die alone. Little do they know, I'm sleeping in Stamos' bedroom tonight. No, I'm not. That's just a dream. It's just a dream. I mean, he's obviously found his girl, and that's fine. I'm, I'm sure it'll last. And, you know, I've, I've spoke about it before. I'm not bitter or anything. It's the holidays. I'm sure they're going to stay together through the holidays, and he'll probably just hit me up, you know, like after Valentine's Day or something. That's probably just what I'm expecting, and I, that's probably what's going to happen. So I'm just going to sit and wait for that to happen. I'm just going to be right here. <laughs> Other stuff happening. I have new merch coming out. I have partnered with Hakuna Supply. They make amazing stash boxes for all your stash needs. Whatever you want to stash. It doesn't have to be anything of the marijuana persuasion. It can be, you know, jewelry or money or whatever you want to keep hidden from your kids, your dildo. You know, whatever, whatever you want to keep out of plain view, you can put in the stash box. Um, those are going to be coming out soon, along with uh, jars and grinders and weed rolling trays. It's just, I can't wait grinders and jars and weed rolling trays. Oh my, it's the 12 days of uh, Cushmas and I can't fucking wait. It's going to be great. I will be putting that up soon. Those are almost done. My merch store is almost done. Everything's coming together. I'm very excited. All this uh, wonderful things are happening and uh, it's just, it's, it's a good time of year. I feel good. I feel excited. That's why I decided to stop talking about the grieving stages and give you guys a little fun interview episode with Mike Tully from Sirius XM. We talked about a lot of stuff. We talked about me hosting the stripper awards. You guys remember that when I was in Vegas? Uh, we talked about my favorite diners in upstate New York. And we talked about comedy and, and how hard it is. And we even, you know, discussed the early stages of what my father was going through. So it was interesting to listen to in this perspective what I was going through then. Uh, this was recorded in May of 2018. Yeah, it was this year. I thought it was going to be last year. No, what day is it? I have no idea what day it is. Um, I got eggnog drunk last night. Whew, that's some real ant shit to get drunk off of eggnog. You got no goddamn business. Just who gets drunk off of eggnog? What am I, Saint Nick? <laughs> 
Don't forget to come see me live, you guys. December 6th, Helium, Buffalo. December 14th, Yonkers, New York, Yonkers Comedy Club. JessieMay.com for tickets. And the merch will be up soon. Follow me on Instagram, Jessie May Peluso, and on Twitter at Queefy May. Holla at your girl. I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope you're living your truth and not being an asshole. Learn a new skill, y'all. Buckle up. Get a cozy spot or whatever if you're working like you know tell your boss to fuck off because you need a break whatever you got to do however you listen to this you know i don't know are you in your bed are you in a bathtub right now did you just fart bro i heard a fart okay you ready to start this show uh your host of the evening is a really funny dude um i forgot his last name but i've seen him before and he's really funny uh give it up for mike oh, From the lucky 13th floor of a commercial high-rise in beautiful Beverly Hills, adjacent California. From the studios of Sirius XM West, boasting an obstructed view of the world-famous Hollywood sign. This is The Tully Show. I am your host, Mike Tully. Joining me today, a comedian you may have seen on the MTV series Girl Code, and you seem to pop up a lot on Doug Benson stuff, smoking weed as well. <laughs> to know her is to love her. Hello and welcome, Jesse May Peluso. To know me is to love me. That's the vibe I get off you. I love that. I think you know. Do you feel? Do you feel lovable? I don't know if it's that I feel lovable. I just feel like I have a lot of love in my heart. Mm-hmm. So maybe. I just, I feel like I want to give that out. Well, that's what I get off you. I've only met you one time and yep. we did stand up comedy together. And I just, I just came away feeling like, because I always expect that people of a certain level, your caliber of comic, that they're going to be like, okay, yeah, cool. Hey, nice. You know, fine. You're Sam you Triple friend. I, that has not actually been my, I've had a tremendous experience yeah. with some of the, lower mid-level people have weird little have i met you before attitude yeah but which is people, interesting it's sort of funny <laughs> it's the like, people have who you looked around where you're at the people who maybe should be trying to make some friends don't seem <laughs> all that interested i think it's like the ego you know it's like the ego and insecurity balance there's a couple that i've met for the first time like a half a dozen times and i'm just like really there's not that many people getting yeah, the, up on stage telling right. jokes and also it's like I've had run-ins with a couple people, and I'm just like, you know who I am. Don't yeah. act like we're not in the same school. Right. Oh, see, no, in my case, I truly believe these people don't recall having met me half a dozen <laughs> times. You know, I, I need, always have I need that, more too. Of a, I need more flair. I need to get, like, a huge mohawk <laughs> or something. You need to travel with literally a flare gun. I, I might need literal. I might not need flair. I might need flares. You might need flares, yeah. And, like, literally that's your go-to. Like, before you say your name, you pulster it out and you shoot it like it's a wild, wild west. And it's like the OK Corral. And you're like, I'm my Tully. See, I was thinking of using it to signal punchlines. Okay. Yeah, you know. Good. Just it's in an case. indicator. Because sometimes I do. I think I'm dropping a big one and there's just crickets. But if you have the flare gun, there's no mistaking. He You're going to like. He thinks that's funny. <laughs> flare train them the way animal trainers click train bears. Pavlov. Like, Maybe I'll start giving the audience cookies when they laugh. 100%. Positive reinforcement goes such a long way and it's such a basis for negotiation. Yeah. All stand up is is a negotiation between the comic and the audience. You're negotiating with them. You're like, hey, 
I'm going to say this and mm-hmm. you're going to get something out of it, but I'm going to trick you to think that everything's funny because I know all of it's not funny yet because this is a brand new joke, but I still want to trick you into laughing. <laughs> I love when I see really big people like working on stuff and selling it. I will never forget there's a like a, a freeze frame that I have in my mind of Chris Rock who was working on stuff and I was fortunate enough to see him in the comedy store and he just did the biggest Chris Rock face ever because he knew the joke wasn't there yet. Yeah. And he's like, well, I can usually get save anything with yeah. this. And I was like, oh, God, he just sold Did he that. say that? No, no, oh, no, no. he said no. it with his face, It though. was just so obvious yeah. that he's like, you know, he does, to me, it's always like when a guy used to get punched in Mike Tyson's punch out and his face would sort of freeze like a... <laughs> like one eye closed and yeah. mouth open and teeth out. He'll Did just, he get laughs with it? It helped. Yeah. It for sure helped. And I just saw Whitney Cummings the other night. Yeah. And just to see where she's fully like going through her phone. and I She's a, prolific. I, I saw her last night. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was messaging her. I was like, I caught half of your set and I thought it was awesome. She's like, I feel like I, it was a bomb. And I, like, I feel like that's what everyone thinks. Like, you feel it. Like, you're like... Your your internal critic is so much louder than what's going on in the external environment sometimes. Yeah. And I was like, no, man, like she's so uh her voice is so developed and it's so specific to her. Yeah. And literally her voice. I think she has a great voice. And that was my experience seeing her working on stuff in the same room that you saw her in last yeah. night, the Sycamore Tavern of it was scary to think that that stuff wasn't finished because she was just so savvy and so good yeah. at performing yeah. that she could sell half finished stuff right. like it was finished. Yeah, and, and I'm that's like, wait, sort this of, is going to get better. Yeah, it, it, the same thing with like Burt Kreischer. You oh know, my God, yeah. I went up and I'm working out on some new stuff, and he tagged my stuff and went and my, he used my material to get into his stories. I thought that was such a smart segue because as a comedian sometimes like the energy of the room is so specific to each performer that when you go up you're like sometimes resetting. Yeah. Or you have to try and like work off of the energy that was just previously displayed. I got to follow the, the guy with the flare gun. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Coast Guard's coming in. Someone's getting saved. I mean, the sprinklers are going up. By the way, for all everybody who's listening who's in the LA area, the Sycamore Tavern's gonna be the comedy spot. That's my that's my prediction. Yeah. I, I think feel... it's gonna be the next like little comedy clubhouse. It's so dope. Sam Tripoli's doing an amazing job over there. I know. I get up there as often as I can. I'm doing Isn't a show it great? there. I'm doing a show there like I'm putting together a show there in a couple of weeks. I'm nice. like, please can I be a part of the club? Yeah, now? it's gonna be great. That's gonna be like yeah. the spot. No, I'm just hoping that I can get my little pinky in before. Oh, you're going to get your pinky in. And that's like, you know, also something you could do in your personal life. I have never gotten my pinky in. In the bum? No. Really? Yeah. You don't seem, you have a face of someone who's open to it. So I read as, okay, now, so what, five years ago I would have said, so I read as a little gay? (laughs) No. And now you go, no, it's not gay to put a... It's not gay to put a finger in your butt. No, of course, no, 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 no. We've we've certainly figured that out. Yeah. I mean, if it's always dicks, welcome to your truth. That's what I say. Well, I always say that it really matters um, like what you have going on on the inside. If you are yeah. having sex with, you know, if Hugh Hefner, who reputedly towards the end of his life would have a half a dozen women dressed up as cheerleaders <laughs> waiting for his Viagra to pill, uh, oh, kick God, in. To and, kick in, to fill the sword. And then Oof. one, the, the girl who drew the sword of straw was the one who was going to have, I think, anal with him that night. Oh, while, are you serious? Is yeah. this a detail from like the Playboy book? Some... Lady who lived there alleged this. Who knows? Old man anal. While the other ones, all dressed up in matching outfits or something, screamed, uh, "I think fucker daddy, fucker daddy." I'm having a panic attack. So, (laughs) I would say, and I truly believe that if when Hugh Hefner was doing that, 
the only way he could actually reach completion is to, to pretend that that poor unfortunate soul that he was sodomizing was a man. Right. That he's gay. Interesting. And completely vice versa. It Literally, I can't imagine a human being actually doing that sort of stuff, but if you are having sex, if you have sex with men your entire life, and you're like, but secretly, like, man, but wouldn't it be great if this was a woman? Like, the action has it's almost a, no meaning whatsoever. Right, right. Cause it's, it's what, it's it's what does it for you. Right. And, and it probably would have screwed up the branding of Playboy if the king Playboy himself were into play boys right yeah they probably would have fucked up a little bit of the distribution especially back in that era we're talking you know oh, yeah. oh, 50s gone. well despite the 60s, fact that, that playgirl was it was for gay dudes i found playgirl playgirl is actually for, for oh you're right no you're right and moms mm-hmm. i found my mom's playgirls from like the 70s it is alarming i'm so glad that like bodily hair evolved because I don't know if I could be into that, like, Burt Reynolds. Like, his dick looked like a turkey baster coming out of a bush. Yeah. A, of a, a, Like a, a lush, like, backwoods wilderness. Right. And, and that, just that's a, bad? Conf- not bad. It's just, you know, how I was raised and, and what I'm used to seeing is, is a little bit more sleek. <laughs> I know. I'm not used to, I don't know what your manscape situation is, but, like, my mom had all these I'll, t- I'll tell you in detail. <laughs> I got all the numbers. <laughs> you got all the data? Well, no, the numbers of like, because I use a, I hate shaving, so I have like a beard trimmer. Yeah. So it's like this part's a five, this part's a three, that yeah. part's a two. Oh, your whole body's graphed out to par- to numbers. It's like a color graph. You know, I actually just met my pubic area, but yes. Oh, I, you know, I heard that as I met, I just met my pubic area and I was like, wow, you guys just met? I feel like you should have met no, a while old, ago. old friends. <laughs> You're married? Yeah. How did I not know that? How long have you been married? Uh, it happened since I saw you. But I mean, like, no, oh, wait, no, it's not, oh, you... that's not true at all. I've been married for, oh, son of a bitch. Uh, I don't know. My kid is six and a half. So I've been married for six years. Oh my God. We're adults. Yeah. You have a six and a half year old. I got another one on the way. Oh, well, congratulations. Well, no, you do too. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I mean, I do. Well, I don't currently have a whole lot going on, but I sure will come August. Yeah. No, you're going to be busy. Oh, but God, a summer baby. Is she going to do in August? Like, End of July, early August. We're both weirdly pulling for end of July, and I don't know why. Yeah. What? I only know nice people from, like, August is, you seem like somebody who'd be into astrology, and I mean that as an insult. <laughs> I'm not. I don't know anything about it. I think, like, there's, look, we're children of the stars. I'm like a hippie in that sense. We're, we're, we're made of stardust. Like, legit, we're from the cosmos. Yeah, Moby so said that one time. There's got to be, I just said a Moby lyric. There's got to be something to it, but I don't know shit about it. August are they're Leo, they're like they're like uh, kind and loyal and makes them sound kind of simple but basically nice. That's like my sister. My sister's a Leo. Okay, she's very kind and loyal. And I I'm a uh, Cancer. Yeah. And we're like sons of bitches, and it it, it all kind of checks out. Sons of bitches. Is that no. what it says under your? No, it doesn't. It... <laughs> sons of bitches. Well, it's funny because I had this girlfriend who had like a serious astrology book. We were around college age at the time, which is to say that I should have been in college. And did you not I was go just to college? Coll- I did eventually. I college age. You can't I was college. Say that. I was college age. 
I was a, I mean, I can't say I was waiter age. That could be any age. Waiter age is every age. I was a waiter. And she had a book, and it was like 250 pages on the, because usually these things would be like contained to a page and a half of the Weekly World News. But this yeah. was like the hardcore stuff. And I'm flipping through, and everything is like generous of spirit, you know, yeah. uh, crazy, wild, mystical side. And then I just got to the cancer and I mean, these are the 20 pages each on each side. I get one. It's just like, you're just such a dick. You just, <laughs> you just like keep shit to yourself and you're constantly getting like pissed at people and like shooting darts with your eyes. And you know, nobody, you know, and I'm like, well, yeah, but I mean, but I do good stuff too. Where's that part? Maybe that was just your internal voice, like interpreting on the spot what the words were saying. They Maybe led, they led with else. some very negative things, Jesse May. <laughs> so do you know things like, I'm not assuming you're a, an astrology expert, but do you know things about other signs? Because I feel like when people say astrology, they only know shit about their own sign. I, well, people, I don't even know about my own sign. Well, I know about my sign and Scorpios. Okay. Are you a Scorpio? No. I can't help you. <laughs> All my exes? Scorpios? Geminis. Oh, uh, okay. Every single one. When's that? I don't know. See, it's pardon me for assuming that you <laughs> may have at one point known some of your ex-boyfriend's birthdays. Oh my god! Okay, I'm gonna say March, maybe. <laughs> that sounds about right, but they all sound right to me. I don't know. I don't even know how many days are in the months. And don't tell it me fluctuates. thirty. Thirty days has no. Well, no. I actually it, ch- it changes. February. <laughs> February fucks it all up. February, I've got. February is the cancer of months. But nobody holds it against you if you don't know what the leap one is. And it's a it's a it's an even one, so you got a one in two chance. Like what was this eighteen? And we didn't have one this time. What so, does that even mean? What is a leap what does that even mean? What's means, a leap year? It means that the the time it takes for the earth to go around the moon or whatever the hell however the hell we're measuring these sorts of things. Yeah. Um, we say it's three hundred and sixty five days, but it's actually like more like three hundred and sixty five and a quarter. So every four, we got to tack one on, or else eventually, like the seasons wouldn't work anymore. So it's it's just mathematical. It's just because a and year isn't really three hundred sixty five days. A day is twenty four hours. What? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? I just rip the microphone apart and leave. <laughs> Maybe where you come from. <laughs> But I mean, in theory, in theory, the day is really like eight hours and the rest of it is I'm, just sleeping and fucking off. I'm curious to hear this theory of yours. Well, I'm just saying like, yeah, the day is 24 hours, yeah. but you're not experiencing that whole 24 hour period consciously. No. So it's not really like, in, it, like theoretically, you're only having like an eight, 10 hour a day, depending on like what you do, because then you wake up, you're kind of bullshitting a little bit. You go to bed, you're bullshitting a little bit. I watched three episodes of Handmaid's Tale. Yesterday and panicked about my future. I don't really count that as actively to, being a part of the day. I get that. And then you, but you ever download one of those apps where you look through your phone and and it tells you it tells you uh, how much time you spend on your phone. You wanna what ta- you want to talk about? It's called Moment. You no, wanna, I don't need that. I don't you, need to know what a fucking. You want to talk about the part of your day that you're oh, not using? Oh man, it's fucking. It's brutal. brutal. It's absolutely brutal. And I does think- it break it down to the app? That you're on the most? No, it doesn't. And that's what will fuck things up sometimes is occasionally like I'll I'll drive somewhere and then I'll be using my GPS and it's like you were on your phone for four hours today. Well, well that but that's count. that doesn't yeah. count. No, LA we need... people are excluded. We I think we should shave four hours off of that number out the get out the gate. Because we're just using that to figure yeah, it took out how me to thirteen hours to get here. To get through this godforsaken <laughs> metropolis. I mean that's the whole day. I had a Waze drive. I had a guy who was still using Waze. My car is in the shop, and so my dude 
Waze is so fucking dangerous here. Is because, it? Well, yeah. Oh, yeah, because you have to do all the right and lefts. Yeah, because Waze doesn't have any regard for the fact that you might not be able to make a left yeah. on La Cienega right. going south or something. And that's all this guy. And I don't blame him because he was following Waze. And got, <laughs> I mean, I, I have never... Do you know what's funny? <laughs> I found myself one time... Us. I I I, uh, I I waved... Like I did like the thanks when some people let us make a left. I was in the back seat of the car. You did? And I did the, I'm just so <laughs> yeah. used to like when three lanes stopped, they're like, oh, this idiot's using ways. Yeah. I'm not going anywhere anyway. I'll let you through. Like I fucking, the driver <laughs> did it and I did it too. It's like fucking JFK's motorcade. And your brains got shot out the back of your head after. Well, it turned out a little bit better for us, but there's still time to do. <laughs> That's fucked up, huh? Yeah. So wait, I have things I want to ask you. Yeah, I know, yeah. You, so you got paper. There's paperwork. I just over there. use this as a fallback. I always hope I don't have to use it, and we've made it uh, 15 minutes oh, without God, talking panicking. about a damn thing of uh, <laughs> of substance. Where are you from? Do we? Uh, so no, I was gonna I was gonna ask you about where you're from. So let's do that Ironic. topic. I am from suburban New Jersey. What is? Are you trying to make it sound fancy? No. What's suburban New Jersey like? Like Montclair? Very close to Montclair. Really? I'm a psychic. That's a weird name that you just pulled out of your head. There's a lot of towns there, and I, I grew up about three towns away from. I have a connection to Montclair. Oh, do you? Mm-hmm. I lived in Bloomfield for during my college age years, where you were a waiter at Perkins. Uh, at that point, <laughs> I was never never worked at Perkins. Sadly, uh, we talked spent about a lot of time at, at Perkins, but never I never actually was gainfully employed there. One of the highlights of my youth, if if you think I'm trying to sound fancy, was a time that we went to my family went to IHOP, and they uh, my sister. <laughs> Got highlights of my youth. <laughs> this is one of the highlights, one of the greatest things that ever happened to us. Wait, can I ask a question before yeah. you continue? Yeah. Is your, are your parents still together? They are, yeah. Okay, okay, continue. Why? Well, because that just makes the highlight so much nicer. Why? Well, because if I had a highlight for my youth where we went to the IHOP, like I was saying before, it would be for my mom and dad to tell us we're not going to be a whole family anymore. Like, I feel like those types of restaurants are where people go and they break up oh. their family. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, this is. And then that night, dad went out. Dad went out to buy some lotto tickets yeah. and never came back. Yeah. Dad just left with the U-Haul. Yeah. <laughs> they hitched U-Haul. He was gone. We're like, IHOP was terrible, yeah. but yours is a good memory. He okay. was listening to Bruce Springsteen as he drove away. That's all I remember. <laughs> Very New Jersey. I snorted. That's fine. One time we only made it twenty home. minutes. <laughs> so we uh, we went to IHOP, and what the fuck did my? I feel like I should be able to remember what she even ordered. Yeah. And yeah. they put some. Uh, there was steel wool from they'd cleaned a. Um, uh, a, a pan or something, and then it was a tiny piece of steel wool in her food. <gasps> and she actually was nervous about it because she had braces, and she thought that she'd fucked up her braces. She didn't even want to tell us for a little while, but finally she came clean, and she's like, <laughs> a piece of my braces fell out. And then they were like, no, that's that's the fucking jackpot. It's what that is. And we're like, hey, manager of the IHOP. We're going to own you. <laughs> and he gave us, Jesse May, he gave us free dessert, and it was one of the greatest <gasps> things that ever happened. And I don't want more steel wool, asshole. I want to buy your shop. I- I'm going to own nah, it. No, we, we, we were simple people. We oh, settled, my God. We steel settled for wool? dessert. So, yeah, I'm from suburban. I'm from just outside of New York City, like yeah. right by the sports complex, by Giant Stadium. Yep, I know I, exactly. I, off the three. Off the, I live, my, my parents' house overlooks Route 3. Okay, yeah. We're like highway. We're like highway men. I know that. I yeah. used to make that trip all the time. I, I used to make that trek when I went from New York City to Syracuse, where I'm from, to right. go visit my family. Yeah, sure. I went to high school in Manhattan, so I used to be on the bus on 3. What every... the fuck? So you you commuted from Jersey to, to, to high school. Well, how does that work living in Jersey that you're even able to go to high school in Manhattan? Who did your parents know? They didn't know anybody. It's actually a really... Um... How could you do that zoning-wise? I feel like... 
It's um, so competitive in the city to get into school. So this is a really weird school. <clears throat> in like 1912 or 1914, some uh, for decades anonymous benefactress on Christmas morning talked to um, a Jesuit Catholic priest and said that because um, at that point Catholics were disadvantaged in the city and the Upper East Side was which is like super fancy JD Salinger territory now. Yeah, was. Um, was like where all the was like almost like a poor Catholic ghetto. Yeah, and she's like, I have all this money and I want to help Catholics get ahead, so I'm going to endow this school with like millions of dollars in 1910. Who is this? this she was boss, she, she was anonymous boss ass bitch anonymous. Yeah, she was. And the name is out now, but I mean, for like a solid 80, 90 years, they wow. kept the family's name a secret. And I would have been like, motherfuckers, I got money. I know, I know. Of course, I would have well, yelled that's, it. That's, that's you and I would be new money. <laughs> that's the way. <laughs> that's exactly how Put that works. Put my name on the school, bitch. Right, and so um. So it was free. It was a free school. It, it remains to this day a free Catholic what? school. So it's hard to get into. It's all boys, and I managed to, to finagle my way into it. And so, how are there details to that? Because it still feels a, like a really shifty situation. So I have to be honest, Mike. Tollywood. First, first you went over for like. I just was like, there's no way I'm going to get in. It just seems so impossible. Yeah. You know, it just was like. You didn't even live on the island. Uh, No. And and at the risk of sounding corny, like I grew up five miles away from New York, but it it seemed like a whole different world. It is a whole. A hundred percent. Especially when you're 13 years old. Yeah. I went over for the open house because I wanted to see what the inside of a school in New York looked like. Yeah. And that was going to be it. And then they're like, well, we have this test that everybody has to take. And I was like, well, fuck it. I wonder. I mean, what what's. I wonder how bad I would do on that test. Right. So then I went a second time and I took the test and I passed the test and then you have to do an interview. And by now I was kind of getting like a little bit competitive about yeah. it. And 13 years old to interview to get education yeah. is fucking crazy. And the funny thing is that I said I had to read two books to discuss and I was. Everyone poops. I picked Uncle Tom's Cabin, not just because it was like one of the only like grown up sounding books I could think of. Yeah. And then I tried to read it. And I don't know if you've ever tried to read it. It's written a lot in like a slave dialect. It's also Uncle- like a 19th century slave dialect. And I was like, I sat down and they were like, um, what do you think of the book? And I was like, who the fuck's supposed to read that? And I got in on the basis of that because they were like, nobody's, nobody's ever said that before. It's your first co- comedy set. And the joke was on them because then I didn't do any homework for like four years and they tried to kick me out the entire time. I barely, I barely got out. <laughs> And then I entered my college age years and became a waiter. College age years. <laughs> Uncle Tom's t- Tavern. What's it called? Uncle Tom's Cabin. Uncle Tom's Cabin. That sounds like the place. <laughs> Uncle Tom's Tavern is this Suzanne Vega song. It sounds like the place where you had the interview for the c- Catholic school. And You're Uncle familiar Tom's with Cabin. Uncle Tom's Cabin. I'm not. Really? I don't remember. I mean, there's a memory there. I know mm-hmm. I've read like these classic books, but I don't remember what they were about because it was one. so long ago. I don't think I ever actually read it. Who wrote it? Harriet Beecher Stowe. I don't remember. Yeah. So long ago. I don't remember all those books. So I want to talk to you about Upstate because you're from Upstate. I am from Upstate New York. Represent. I feel like I don't totally have a beat on Upstate even though like I grew up like I feel like I kind of grew up in New York in the regard that like we didn't have New Jersey TV stations. Right. We had the New York station. Mm-hmm. So culturally, Ed Koch and shit like that. Yeah. So like I feel like you and I are kind of from the same state. It's similar. In a roundabout sort of way, but I feel like I know what New England's all about and I know what like Canada's all about. Like not the city <laughs> We're people. In the yeah, and I know what Jersey people are all about <laughs> and then I kind of know how like the Detroit, Ohio thing works and I don't. Like, what the hell were you guys doing? We were doing meth and eating hot dogs. Okay, I was about, <laughs> that's about my guess. 
and trying to survive 10 month long winters. Right. I mean, the winters are brutal. Yeah. Well, and I feel state. like they're like kind of worse there than they are in Canada somehow. Because we're in the snow belt. It's like, so the weather has accessories now. The weather's <laughs> like, no, I'm staying around. I'm keeping these pants up. We're going to get a goddamn belt and I'm sticking around. It's, it's, the snow there is obscene. Like, I remember a Mother's Day. I was just talking to my mom about this. There was a Mother's Day. We had a snowstorm. On Mother's Day. When's Mother's Day? Oh, it's mid-May. I should know that. My it's wife's offensive. my wife's a mother. Yeah, your mother, your wife's a mother almost two times. Yeah, and I got a mom too. You got to figure this out. Duly noted. I don't know. I don't know what the date is, but it's like mid-May. Yeah. But no, I blanked. I looked it up. It's in a, it's in a couple. The weeks. point is that it, the snow yeah. was out when it shouldn't have been. Yeah. But that was just like that's the environment there. It's like I feel like homicide should be legal because of how deep we get into the snow, how deep we get into that weather. I feel like you should be able to stab your neighbor after a certain point. You know, yeah. so much gray. Seems like it be, would have been big M&M country. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Eight Mile for real. Right. Like we had the New York State Fair. I don't mean to brag. I don't want you to feel like you missed out. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure IHOP was great. You got free dessert. But have you seen a butter sculpture in no. the shape of Jean-Claude Van Damme? No, oh, I don't come think on. It... Really? I don't know. I mean, I feel like there's been stuff that's close to that. They're uh-huh. like serious like sculptures, like detailed. Would these be like the finest local butters? The f- the finest local butters. <laughs> what did you guys call like if I if I got a bowl of ice cream or a cone and it doesn't matter and then I put <laughs> tiny little pieces of candy on top of it, what would you call those tiny little slivers of candy? Sprinkles. Okay. Cause I went to I did eventually make it to college and we had some uh buffalo people who insisted they were and always had been shots. Shots? Shots. Shots. Like shots, shot, 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 like shots. Yes. Buffalo is interesting. Is it? Buffalo's, it, it's a type of town you go and it sounds like it's, it's like white trash, but you go and there's all these beautiful buildings. The architecture is really gorgeous. Mm-hmm. They have amazing food and they have like, I don't know, I just feel like they have like a cool, like hardworking middle class town type of folk that are there. I don't have a negative connotation of... Of Buffalo. Yeah. Chicken wings. Syracuse is known for chicken tenders. <laughs> but you guys never got around to actually making Syracuse no, sauce? No, 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 no. We were kind of busy with the tenders. Right. <laughs> I got my first uh, <laughs> lap dance, I think, in Utica? Your first? I mean, how many were there? Jesus. I probably had three or four at this point. That's it? Um, I, I'm, I'm not a fan. I just judged you for having a lot, and then I judged you for not having a lot. Do you see how that happened? <laughs> so it would be bad if I'd had a ton. Yeah, I mean, I basically had no point either way. I just wanted to judge you in that moment for lap dances. <laughs> right, so if I've never had one, it's awful. If I've yeah, had a couple, exactly. what's wrong with you? If I've had a bunch, what's... So, like, is it sort of like a sex thing where if you've had, like, I don't know, like a dozen partners, like, that's about right? That's yeah. The, that's the Goldilocks Yeah, that's like number. the sweet... That's a sweet spot. Right, well, I think how I'm were you that. when you had the first one? So I was in a band, and we oh went up to God. record an album. I'm regretting the question already. Up in I'm just kidding. <laughs> and that's as far as we need to go with the band thing. And we were just like, but the only reason why I bring that part up is because we were recording there for like a weekend, and then one night we were like, well, what are we going to do? We're a rock and roll band making an album. Let's go to a, a strip club. Yeah, let's. It, it fits the part. Yeah, and, right. But we weren't really those guys. The fact that we had to be like, hey, we're a rock and roll band. Yeah, we should the, go to a strip club. We should go to the strip club. Like yeah. the fact that that was a whole sentence. Yeah. Yeah, you're. Obviously, just so I fish think out I, of water. I picked a girl who I probably found not all that intimidating. And 
That's a great way to put it. The least intimidating stripper in the room. Yeah, but the problem was, it was, or so she claimed, the first time she'd ever given a lap dance and she started crying while she was doing it. She cried on your lap? Yeah. Are you, is this a real story? Yeah. Oh my G. That's legit. She cried. She so, cried? Yeah. Now, did you console her? Like, what? I mean, I how did, did you... I did the best I could as a... Did you rub her back? 17-year-old... No, I think I got the impression that she... <laughs> having to touch me was part of the problem. No. It's the fact that her dad has been gone her whole life. Those mm-hmm. tears are run deep. Those tears aren't in that moment. Those tears well, are everything that led up to her being in that moment. Yeah. Let's be real. No, I I agree, but I was the culmination of... You were the vehicle to the tears. That's it. Well, you know, no, no, no. It was the fact that she was doing a lap dance in a strip club that was bothering her. It wasn't Yeah, me. it wasn't you because you're I was adorable. The best, I was the best guy that she could have. You're the best case scenario. She could have landed Oh, on. my God. Best case scenario. So I know it wasn't it wasn't me, but right. it was what I had hired her to do. Right. So I just said, it's okay. You don't need to You don't need to finish. And I gave her all the money. And You're like, you don't need it. to finish, but I definitely do. Could, so can you just wait two more The great minutes? news is I did like 30 <laughs> seconds ago. I got <laughs> I the wetness isn't from your tears. Let's just, just want you know. There's a lot of different sources. So many, of many different tributaries coming together to make this one body of water. I worked at a strip club for a day and a half. Yeah. as a waitress in New York City, flash dancer. Uh, the one on like Broadway, fifty first and Broadway. Yeah, yeah sure. And, and um, it was just that sort of point in my life where I needed work. It was right before I started to do comedy, and I found like an ad at the back of you know the Village Voice. And it was very obscure. It's like, we're hiring waitresses at this cool, you know, exclusive club. And I was too naive to be like, that sounds gross. I was like, oh, cool. It's funny how the the clubs that build themselves as exclusive are always the ones that have, like, borderline homeless guys out trying to get you pieces of, like, cardboard VIP cards to come in. It's like drunk cops and doctors. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, that's not to make it sound elite, the the fact that a, a doctor and a police officer were like their regular clientele is very telling of this place, and I my shift started at eleven a.m. and was they, there was there a buffet? There was. <laughs> Do you know what kind? <laughs> what kind of what kind of buffet? It was a, it's a sushi. <laughs> Come on. I swear to God. It was a sushi buffet. Yeah, and they had like. Flash dancers. Yeah, and they had. I'm crying right now. They had um like a bento box deal. (laughs) (laughs) And I had to wear this like little outfit because I just was a waitress. Like Uh I was like, there's no way I'm getting up on stage. I was totally like intrigued by it because I I'm fascinated by strippers. I'm fascinated by every level of stripper down from you know the flash dancer working the lunch shift. To some girl at the bent over at the bent over bento box special <laughs> at noon for cops and doctors, right up to the girl who's become Amber Rose and Black China and these chicks who found a way to break through that industry. I get it, yeah. So it's just an interesting spectrum of individuals, no doubt. So I was more intrigued. I was like, you know what? When I got there, I'm like, all right, fuck it, yeah, let's just work and see. Let's take this experience. And uh, I just asked questions. I just was talking to all the strippers. I was talking to the door dudes because the door guys know everything. About the strippers. The security in a strip club, that's somebody who should have a fucking podcast. 
Because these girls, I asked him, I was like, what about this one? Because you could tell the levels. Like, a place like that has such an array of strippers because they don't really need to have a, a standard per se. Because they're not that type of club. So they have everything from, like, a girl who has a missing tooth to a girl who looks gorgeous and everyone in between. But why does everybody else need a standard and they don't? Well, I feel like it just depends on the clientele. You know, this is the type of place where it's like, yeah, you might make 20 bucks, you might make 300 Gotcha. Other places are like, minimum, you got to walk through the door at $100 just to get into the fucking place. Here, they're like, oh, are you a doctor? Yeah, sit up front. You know, are you a cop here? Come on. It's, it's funny, because like- I only know two strip clubs in New York, and scores if it's still there, because, yep. you know, Stern made that huge. Flash Answers is just like the location, location, location. That's it. It's just I've like never tourists. been inside. I've just been past it 10 million times. It looks like... It looks like a strip club set from a Quentin Tarantino movie. That's cool. Or like Robert Rodriguez. Robert Rodriguez. It looks like one of those types of places, like black floor, lacquer, just terrible lighting. Mm-hmm. The bartender is like 65 with tits that reflect that. And it was a man. <laughs> it was like a huge Latino man. And the, the, the bouncer was telling me about how half of these girls are leading double lives. Like their loved ones don't even know that they're strippers. He was like, that girl's got a husband. He doesn't even know what she does. I'm like, that's impossible. He's like, all right. You think I'm lying? He's like, I know these girls. They talk to me. They tell me all their fucking problems. I'm like the diary of this place. This one chick, her husband didn't even know she stripped. How, like, how can you even survive in a relationship when you don't know what the other person's doing? Both of you are lying at that point. Don't you think? Uh, well, I'd have to know a little bit more about the mechanics of how she was pulling this whole ruse off. But yeah, I agree this doesn't seem like a relationship built on trust. No. But then also, the skill to be able to be that deceitful. I know. Turn that skill into something, like find a career where that you can really flourish. You're wasting it on the pole, girl. I, I know. I can never... It's like it's like the guys who have two families and stuff like that. I just it's amazing. can't... Just... Of course, it's easy to make the joke like, oh, isn't one enough wife enough problems? Yeah. But just. Look that at is, the skill it takes to so do that. so fucking difficult. It's so difficult to keep that going. And it's like and the skill stressful. set. I think you have to be. Sociopath is a word we oh, all throw yeah. around that none of us maybe necessarily totally fully understand. But there has to be a part of you that just understands right and wrong somewhere else, but doesn't see how it might apply to this element yeah. of your life. Or you don't even understand it at all, and you're literally like just textbook borderline personality disorder where you just don't even... You, empathy isn't a part of your genetic makeup. Well, but I think a lot of those guys, when they get exposed, the kids are like, I don't know, he's always a great dad to me. Of like, course. They, they're teaching right and wrong. I'm yeah. sure... <laughs> I would actually love... It would actually be a funny thing if the guy who had two families and he was, was just... just a great dad. But no, I think that's what I hear more often than not, is he was just like equally unloved in both of them. Yeah. But he was constantly, right. constantly around. He just didn't sleep. <laughs> So this lady, it, I would love, I hope you know the answer to this. Do you know what she got out of it? Was it money or was it something else? Money. She was the best looking one there. Okay. She Her, her name was like Arizona or Sierra. I think it was Sierra. And so I worked there. Um, you know, there's a den mother. There's a woman who was like in the bathroom. And girls were putting makeup in places. I didn't even know that that was a possibility. Like literally lining the lips of their vagina. One girl was drawing tits on. <laughs> I swear to God, she, on her tits, she was like perfecting her tits. I'm just like, this is right. It felt like an acid trip without actually having a trip on acid. I just, 
it, it, it was like what I can equate to somebody who had been blind their whole life and all of a sudden they've got vision because that's how new it all was to me. The colors, the smells, the people, the spectrum of uh, attractiveness versus, you know, societal, not, not unattractiveness comparative to like what everyone deems attractive in our society. It just was interesting to see this house where women are using their sex to make money to pay bills for family. Like literally all of them had families. Like that was their main connection between all these girls they were mothers wow and you know also nobody was just putting themselves through nursing school like there's that stereotype there was like one or two girls that were doing that but for the majority it was like these girls that were working to take care of their family and they just found this route that was easier than you know having to go through medical school or you know doing whatever else everybody does in the grind so wait two questions the real quick the lady whose husband didn't know that she was a stripper but was the best one and Mm -hmm. therefore making the most money like, Obviously. how did she, she must have spent that money. How did she explain to her husband how she had all that money? I don't, I think she kept a lot of it secret. Okay. I think because it's so much, it's cash. Yeah, 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 Like, yeah, there's yeah, not, yeah. I don't even know. No, yeah, how money's... many employees does a strip club claim? Like, the dishwasher and maybe one dancer? I don't even know how that works on the IRS. Yeah. It's just freedom because she's got that, she's got that ability to yeah. do whatever she wants. But then the, okay, so the other ones, if there's you're. There's a champagne room as well. So they made a lot of money there. They said that's where all their money was made, in the champagne room. And what happens? <sighs> that's never... the type of club where the door shuts and whatever's game, whatever yeah. you can pay for. Right. That's what the bouncer told me. I was like, you know, is this the type of place, like, does, like, do people, you know, fuck? He's like, oh, yeah. The champagne room is just sticky with secrets. <laughs> See, that's the, one of the major, there's a bunch of reasons why I'm not really into strip clubs, but the main one is that I can't. I can't even afford like the the lobby. Yeah, I mean it's so as, expensive. As soon as I go, yeah, I've had this thing I've been trying to work out for my stand up where it's like it's my my experience in strip clubs is kind of the same as my experience dealing with like homeless people, <laughs> where you're just constantly making this face like, ooh, I'd I, love to. Ugh, wow, I mean, just, you're looking in your in pocket. a perfect world, I would, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, with the homeless guy, you kind of you get to keep moving, or he, he yeah. or she keeps moving. With the the stripper lady, she just keeps coming around. If you're in the club, around. you're spending money, and that's the thing. Or and you're out, right? You can't linger, and you, like they get rid of you. But I've even felt like when I was like, I don't know what a, what a good okay. You guys are making like. Sixty, and I'm talking about like an okay strip club, not a yeah. high level. You guys are making like sixty, seventy bucks an hour off me. Are we good here? Yeah. Even for me to do that, I still have to do the. Yeah, yeah you gotta tight. Uh. You gotta you gotta pinch your wad. Still. And that is not that is not fun for me. And it just seems to me that if I was gonna spend the kind of money that would allow me to relax in a strip club, I might as well be throwing a party in a hotel room, right? Paying for sex. Yeah. Exactly. If it, because when it comes down to the comfort level yeah. and just having freedom, because that's like the ultimate freedom. Yeah. When you think about it, going to, in, in some instances, like going to a strip club and seeing all these women and having fun, like there's freedom in that. But if you're going in with that mentality and that, you know, you, you can't spend that money. I wouldn't want to spend that money as a guy. It's the dumbest thing you could. It's so dumb. It's for a thousand bucks, dude, you could go to fucking Cabo for like five a, yeah, days. Yeah, and get a great prostitute. Yeah, I know. Well, you then there's great that. Prostitute. I can't believe it's like a successful business model. It's the oldest, like besides yeah. literally prostitution. Yeah, like strippers and, and prostitutes are like one of the oldest jobs around. I mean, that shit dates back to like pr- probably like Cleopatra. That's a long time as ago. As long as there's been currency, as long as you've been able exactly. to, to trade yeah. things for yep. things. 
Definitely. Well, yeah. And if you want to get real, like, barbaric about it, women who are willing to trade their companionship, Pussy sex, quarters. motherhood, for to be with the biggest dude who was most apt to protect them yeah. from all the other numbskulls in yeah, the clan. like surviving. Th- yeah, exactly. You gotta do what you gotta do. You used to call that love. <laughs> the owner came up to me. I went, I worked one shift, and I, I just, I left there feeling... As a waitress. As a waitress. Yeah. I left there feeling the same I feel whenever I have gotten off a cruise ship. You're like, you're out, I come out in the light, you know, because it's so dark. doesn't matter the time of day. Like, that place is just pitch black because it's, it's under the it's under the street. Yeah. You go down the stairs and it's like, you know, it's like rat level. <laughs> and I came out and I just felt like so disoriented and gross and just wanting to eat like apples and <laughs> could just like absolve myself. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to go back tomorrow, I guess, because I don't have any other options. I don't have any other, you know, situations set up. And when I went back is when the owner was there. Nobody approached me the first day. The second day, the owner just looked just like a Hollywood strip club owner. He had like that sort of Big Lebowski button up Hawaiian shirt with a wife beater underneath his neck hair hanging out over the top of the wife beater, a gold chain, pinky ring, slacks and like, you know, moccasins on with like a receding hairline that was greased to his head. Probably a cigar fan. Cigar in hand. Like literally you can see this guy. Yeah. Comes right up to me and he's like, I literally think he had a cigarette in his hand. He's like, you should be up on that pole. And I was just like, uh, I can't, I have to quit. I was like, I need to leave. I felt so, like, I went to the bathroom and I had, like, a mini panic attack because I can see, like, in that instant, that's a a life choice that some girls make, people in general. I could have been like, sure, I'll try it. I'll try, what's the harm in trying? I'm sure a lot of these girls are just getting up on it, like, yeah, I'll try that. I could do that. I think people would have no idea how many women are out there who did try it and then they get stuck and it, well, but i think those i mean sooner you're going to find out so and so is a career stripper but yeah. i think that there's more women out there than guys are aware of who did try it who did go one step beyond you know cocktailing and yeah. they're like whoa this isn't for me and they're just not going to get into it with boyfriends and future husbands yeah. of like yeah for like 2 weeks i did it and fuck it sucked it's just easier to just not bring up that yeah whole. it's like why you know it's like telling your boyfriend about the best sex you ever had you don't need to tell he, the information's not going to further the relationship yeah exactly don't tell him about that time you rode the pole for 6 hours it's flash dancers it's a dead end for 100 bucks that you had to give back cuz you had to pay for your outfit they make you pay for your outfits there oh really yeah 60 bucks i wish i would have fucking kept that I wish I would have kept my my yeah. my server outfit. I'm so dumb. It had like this choker. It was so offensive. And like this diamond cutout where my tits were. That's always been my problem with strip clubs. Very sexist. It's you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, good. you know, I'm just just trying to ejaculate here, That's but it's good. just so goddamn demeaning. That's really funny. <laughs> That's good. It's a quick line. I think like huh. you should stick that in somewhere. Maybe, yeah. Stick it in where you failed to stick it in in the strip club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't. I don't even think I was aroused by my experience. I don't think there was even a part of it that was kind of cool because even when I didn't know for a fact that it was weird, obviously on her end it was weird. Like a woman crying on you doesn't get you hard? That's so weird. I know. I'm like the least twisted guy ever. God, you're so normal. You are. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about you're in a relationship, right? I am. Yeah, I don't. How long has it been? Eight months. Okay. Long distance. But you've been like, um, a dating person for a, a while too. <laughs> what is that? Well, a dating you person. In, did you go from one relationship? And I'm judging by your stand-up. You do a lot of stuff about like. Um, you know. I had a p- 
period. I had a year where I was absent. Mm-hmm. Um, then I had about three years where I wasn't with anybody. Like okay. dating, like dating wise, like I mean, so a couple little casual situations, but no relationships. So you three years, you were so to single. speak on the market, single, and then yeah. um, abstinent by choice. Yep. It's funny how many you comics kind of get to that. I think um, you're a comic too. Not really, because you all. Um, I think because you spend, it's a good thing, and it's 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 a chicken egg thing. Yeah. You all think about life more deeply than everybody else because it's your job. Yeah. Maybe it became your job because you were you were already the kind of person who thinks right. about life more deeply, yeah, yeah, yeah. whichever way you want it. But I think you, it's part of the job to really think things through to an extent that nobody else does. And I can see where once you get in that habit, you might go, okay, actually examining. Am I going to get up on stage and make jokes about this every night and not actually have it affect you know change my behavior? Yep. You're like the third comic I know who's done some. I don't think that there are a ton of people in the general population who go, I, you know what, abstinence is the thing for me. I'm doing one yeah. year. Yeah, I think it's just like in life there's so many situations and in places where you can take yourself out of your environment, your normal environment, and put yourself in a place that is going to be so foreign. And only in those moments do you really – discover stuff about yourself otherwise you're just stagnant and rolling through life and i think what what that creates are people who have like-mindedness people who are narrow-minded and judgmental those are the people who aren't taking themselves out of their comfort zones like the only place you can really be empathetic and sympathetic and compassionate to your fellow people is if you get out of something you do every single day yeah you know because everybody should move away from home at least once in their life yeah because you get away and you find out what was really you mm-hmm. and what was really there. Exactly. The yeah. You you peel yourself away from your environment and you find your individuality and you also find how much you have in common with strangers and how much strife there is in the world and how much similarities people have within their individual strife. You know, it just like so being abstinent was a part decision for me because I like my first time I ever had sex I was raped that was my introduction into my sexual world oh, God. and so then it just like the the things that happened after that were a product of the trauma from that and so as an adult I was like let me just peel my way peel myself away from sexuality and being in bed with people and just let my body and mind and body and soul breathe let me just have a pause and and I honestly wasn't like it's going to be a year I just was like, I'm just going to pause and see how long, uh, just let it ride itself out without, uh, without an expiration date because it'll expire when it's meant to expire. That, that process will sort of wrap up when it's meant to. And, and, you know, it just was a, it was maybe just a way of me to sort of like self heal and, and figure out how I can get through the next year or so of my life dealing with the past. Well, I think we're all, is it too heavy to talk about rape? Hell no. (laughs) Well, it's too late now anyway. Yeah, I know. That's why I say it afterwards. Oh, well. <laughs> I love the analogy of like life is like those plate spinners that used to be on like Johnny Carson and stuff. Do you yeah. remember that? that yeah. Thing that they I don't know do. the they, analogy though. They have like a tiny little, I might have made a it pole. up. I don't know. They, yeah. Like a, like a javelin or something. Yeah. They have plates on them. And then when they got, you know, they could do three, no problem. Yep. It's just like juggling, you know. But then when they got like seven or eight going, there'd always be that one at the far end. That's it's like, like whoa. Yeah. To run over and get that one too, and life is particularly modern life. I think our lives are more complicated than they used to be about keeping all these plates in the air. Yep. And if you can 
I mean, look, I'm not. It's there's no comparison between what I'm about to say and what you just said. But like, my wife and kid just went away for like a week and a half, and yeah. it's like very, very healthy to get rid of a couple of the plates for a little while mm-hmm. so you can actually give the remaining plates like the attention they yep. really deserve so that you can start adding the plates again. Yep. And the and the one that went away comes back and you're able to function with it a little bit more cohesively with all the other stuff that you're yeah. trying to juggle. Or to further the plate analogy, maybe you let one go for a little while and realize you don't even need to bring it back. Yeah, or you just fucking smash one on the ground. <laughs> maybe you break that fucking plate. You get Greek with it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, we only have so much time left. I, I did want to get heavy with you. I, I when I saw you do stand up, um, you talked about your dad being sick, and I've yeah. listened to your podcast and stuff. And I, I wasn't sure if that's something I could ask you about. Yeah, anything. But it's absolutely. It seems I'm open. Like it's on your Instagram. Yeah, and and I know that you um you're an an advocate. Yeah. for your dad has Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. and that I don't know. I don't really know what my question is. That sucks. <laughs> it's interesting, you know. Like the one thing I've realized, my dad has um. I don't want to say early onset. It's just sort of, we don't know where he's at with it because it's such a um, new disease in the sense that it's not quite as promoted as something like cancer or, you know, AIDS where these these sort of ailments have had support and um, charities behind them for years. Alzheimer's is starting to come up as a little bit more popular. Seth Rogen helped levitate it with hilarity uh, for charity That's which right. is an amazing you have to watch it it's on Netflix have you seen it I'm gonna humble brag here I watched it and I, I gave some money afterwards that's awesome that's and great I, I, f- I wish they'd actually been more direct about saying look if you're watching this you're watching it on TV yeah. that means your phone's in your hand exactly. right now don't do it just like yeah. just give the money yep. like come on man look at all these people we put together just give us 10 yeah. bucks do it they should have been Anything. really shameless they sh- about yeah they it. didn't really do that that's a one place you're right i didn't even realize that it's donatehfc.org if you guys want to donate um and there's end alts which is uh, an american charity there's also alzheimer's association uk which made this amazing um campaign video and there's so much synergy sometimes when you become an adult and you realize how connected everything is. I know I sound like such a stoner, but there is a lot of interconnectivity with things in your life. So my father, who has Alzheimer's, everyone always said that he reminded them of Walter White, Brian Cranston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad kind of looks like him. Walter White specifically because he used to have a goatee and glasses and everything. So there's that weird connection, and I've always loved Brian Cranston. And so um, this ch- this charity created this campaign. It's called Share the Orange, because the, the the weight of your brain that is lost through the g- degenerative disease when your brain sort of shrinks is equivalent to the weight of an orange. So they call it Share the Orange. And so it's a video with Brian Cranston, and he's just promoting uh, this organization and, and advocating for Alzheimer's. His father also suffered from it. So it was like this thing, and I was like, that's so strange, because as I was diving into these jokes that you were mentioning and, and trying to talk about it on stage and figure out my way through it, there's a joke I have where I talk about being okay with ghosts now because if my dad's going to pass away and, you know, who knows what's on the other side, I, w- I wouldn't mind if my dad was a ghost, you know, but, like, you have to be able to connect and figure out that it's your father and not some scary fucking serial killer that wants to embody a doll in your bedroom. So you have to have, like, a, a code word for the medium to connect, right? Right. And so I asked my dad, I was like, what word do you want to give to the medium? Because we're both into, like, horror and all that scary shit. Uh-huh. And he was holding a tangerine in his hand. And because Alzheimer's people live in the moment, they're so present, he said tangerine. And, like, that's – the joke is that that is my safe word with my boyfriend. 
So, like, imagine me just getting it on with my man, like, maybe he's in my butt with some sort of object and it's too much for me, and I yell out, tangerine. And then my dad, who's a ghost, pops up. He's Uh-oh. like, hey, miss you, babe. <laughs> and I'm just there in the room with my ghost dad, my boyfriend, yeah. and a butt plug. And you've got avenging Walter White there <laughs> To and do it's just Walter White, it. yeah. It's not even my dad. It's just Brian Cranston. Like your dad was unavailable. <laughs> he was busy. <laughs> yeah, you it's been interesting. Me? What yeah, the like why am I here? Uh, pretty, pretty busy. Pretty important. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Uh, you know, the one thing, the the one silver lining, if you want to look at it like that, is that all my life, you know, you go through relationships and you're like, um, I'm brokenhearted and. I've, I, he broke my heart. I've like, this is the, my heart is broken for the first time now because of my father. So that, that doesn't sound like silver lining, but it is because I feel so fortunate to have a dad to love that much. Oh, that's a very nice way of, of putting it. Yeah. Well, on that incredibly sad note, we do need, (laughs) we do need to go. It really took a nose time. (laughs) You're listening to the Tele Show on the Hallmark Channel. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. This was fun. Let's do this again sometime. I would love to, Tollywood. Okay. You are jessiemay.com. Pays to have an unusual first name. It does. And you are, uh, I paid good money for my Twitter. And <laughs> you are. Uh, I have my Sharp Tongue podcast. You do. You do. And. Uh, hilarious. Hilarious. And Jesse May Peluso on social media. Yeah. Beautiful. Queefy May on Twitter. That's right. <laughs> 